Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Jennifer Butler and I'm your host. I'm going to start out today talking about my guest. She is a truly inspiring woman. Heather Monahan is a best-selling author. She's a keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and founder of Boston Heels. She's a glass ceiling award winner, named one of the most influential women in radio in 2017, and Thrive Global named her a limit-breaking female founder in 2018. She's the author of The Confidence Creator, which shot to number one on Amazon's business biographies and business motivation list the first week it debuted. And her new show, Creating Confidence, debuted on the top 200 shows on Apple Podcasts. Her guests include names like Sarah Blakely, Gary Vaynerchuk, Ryan Serhan, and Caitlin Bristow, among other noteworthy celebrities and entrepreneurs. Heather's been featured in many top publications, most recently adding to her list of accomplishments, guest professor at Harvard. Heather's here today to talk to all of us about confidence, about her life as an entrepreneur, and also to discuss the topic of her upcoming TED Talks, The Me Too Movement, Misstep or Mistake. This is going to be an episode packed with so much wisdom, so much empowerment. Heather, thank you so much for coming to talk to me. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. I, you know, I've read your bio and I, every time I read it, I'm just like, what can't you do? So I'm so excited to share you with our audience today. Oh, well, let me tell you, there's plenty I can't do. We can get into that. (laughs) Well, I guess start with sharing with us just a little bit about your personal journey and really how you've been able to access the tools that are required for success, especially as a woman being successful. Sure. Well, I grew up poor. I was one of four kids and grew up on food stamps and my mom was a single mom. And I just knew at a young age, I did not want to struggle. So for me, I really put my focus on how can I create money? How can I create wealth? And I started at a very young age, just hustling like crazy, you know, paper routes, waiting tables, bartending, you know, whatever jobs I could get. And so for me, it was just that desire to create income over everything else, which I don't recommend, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it definitely is what got me to where I am. Well, what stands out though, is you were coming from a, a space of quote unquote lack, but that wasn't where your focus was. Your focus was on your desire to create wealth. Exactly. And that's just, that just rings so loudly for me because I think that's so important. Well, it can take you a number of different ways when you grow up without, but for me, it definitely was the driver that I just knew I didn't want to struggle. And again, I wouldn't recommend this for anyone. I didn't pursue my passions. I didn't pursue my dreams. I only pursued a paycheck, which actually in the end failed me, but it redirected me to a better place. Right. And I imagine many lessons learned along the way. (laughs) Absolutely. So I think it redirected you really to entrepreneurship among many other things. So talk to us a little bit about entrepreneurship and that road, you know, the difficulty or the ease. How was it for you? It's been really tough. You know, it's very rewarding, I guess, is the way that I would put it after 
I was in corporate America for over 20 years and that was not rewarding. I was constantly put down. I had people trying to hold me back. You know, every day was a grind in a very different way. Today, I've been on my own for two years working for myself and it's a grind in that I have tremendous pressure on me for my finances and to perform and being a single parent, you know, driving revenues for myself and my son and the life that I created. But it's very rewarding in that I get beautiful notes from people about how my book has, you know, affected their life or how my podcast has changed them and, you know, or a speech that I gave, you know, reached them. And the work that I do now is so meaningful and purpose-driven. It's about, you know, grinding it out to get it to the level where there doesn't have to be this financial pressure so that I can more or less just enjoy that. Yes, I work hard and, and put it all out there, but it's also, you know, come together. And I'm, I'm, I haven't hit that tipping point yet where I can say I'm at ease, Mm -hmm. but I definitely can see it in the future and I'm just grinding it out to get there. You know, I can so relate to that, that, that feeling that you're talking about and the desire for ease because, even if you're not focused on that pressure, it is this almost subtle, like consistent sort of feeling or undertone that exists when I think when you're really trying to get to the place where you're financially at ease. Yeah, it's definitely a force that, you know, it it reminds me actually of being a child, you know, when I really struggled because for the past two decades in corporate America, I did not struggle financially at all. And so now it's, um, it is a tremendous pressure for me, which has been a, a big pivot in my life. What would you say are the top tools that you rely on to create your own success? Myself, myself and myself, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you the buck stops here. I I've lived my entire life that way. You know, I, I definitely know that I can be my own best advocate or my own worst enemy. And so it really comes down to my mindset, how I approach things, taking massive action every day, really pushing myself, you know, to take that next risk, to go for that next failure, and then to pick myself right back up again and pivot and, you know, reevaluate and, you know, just constant focus on what I want to achieve, on going bigger and on letting nothing hold me back. So I definitely, I definitely know that that, that stops right here with me and the decisions I make daily. Gosh, like where does that come from? Like, how do you feed yourself and source yourself, I guess, so that you're able to constantly up level? Because I imagine there's fear at times not let the fear kind of get in your way or pull you down. Well, what I've learned is, you know, in two decades in corporate America, that fear stopped me from taking risks. Fear kept me in a place that really held me back, that I allowed myself to be held back. You know, and again, I I definitely say that it it all stops with me. So people might've been trying to hold me back, but I allowed for it to happen. And the reason why I did that was out of fear. So you know, when I got fired two years ago and I made the decision to go out on my own, it was crystal clear that the one beautiful thing about going to work for yourself is no one can hold you back. I mean, it's you. Mm. So the only person that's going to slow me down in my day to day is me. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not told no a million different times and that I haven't failed at many different business partnerships and, and models and revenue streams I have in two years. 
but I've also achieved, you know, some major goals that I didn't know were possible two years ago. I didn't know I'd have a best-selling book two years ago. I didn't know I'd be a professional speaker and that would be my primary source of income. I had no idea that was even a business. And two years ago, the idea of taking on a podcast weekly and partnering with podcast one wasn't even in my mind. Mm. So the, the more I look at that credibility and I look at those facts, I say to myself, well, those propel me to the next level. If I was able to do this in two years, I can't imagine what I'll do in the next two. And so that's really the push that I need each day to say, you know, these things didn't happen by accident. They happened by me stepping into fear, taking major risks, failing at many things, and then coming out and succeeding at these ones I was meant to succeed at. So if you allow that to be momentum for you to drive you, it can accelerate you, you know, to tremendous speeds. Yeah, that's what I was hearing, that momentum. So it's really like giving yourself the space to tune in and celebrate like, and acknowledge every single time there's a win, every single time you succeed at something and building on that. Well, you know, I don't, I don't revel too much in the wins. Here's an example of, of what I mean by that. When the book comes out a bestseller, it's not a magic moment and it's over. Books don't sell that way. So the way books sell is consistent and constantly filling the pipeline, speaking at different speaking engagements, promoting it, doing different press junkets, you know, doing different shows. It's not a one and done. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a difference would be if I sold the rights to my movie to Reese Witherspoon and I got a $5 million payout for that. That's more of a one and done. Yeah. You know, I haven't had that massive one moment success. The things that I'm doing are more consistent drivers. Speaking engagements aren't a $5 million payout. They're a $15,000 each one. So you have to have X amount of speaking engagements a month and fill the pipeline and get the reviews and the ratings and share those on social media and build your credibility. Like all of these different things are a process. And, you know, it's about getting each one of those to a higher level, maintaining and then growing it as well as layering on and adding that new revenue stream or new potential opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So consistency and just continuing to build and build and build and build. Absolutely. My house still looks like a shipping department and my, <laughs> my book has been out for over a year, but that's because it, it doesn't matter to anyone else that my book's been out for a year. And so it doesn't matter to me either. If I still want Oprah's book editor to read the book and to, you know, promote it, I'm going to have to send her probably 75 more copies. And I'm not the only author out there. I'm not the only person with a message out there. There's millions of others. And a lot of people will say, well, what makes you different? And you've got to be able to have your UVP and essentially boil down to 60 seconds. What is unique and valuable about you? And once you're able to do that, then you have to cut through the noise and find a way to get to those ultimate decision makers so you can partner with them, so they can showcase you, so that your product is the one that's shooting to the top. And the only way to do that is through consistency and finding different standout ways to get people's attention. As you're speaking, gosh, the confidence, it emanates from you, your confidence in yourself, in your purpose, in your mission, in what you're doing. You obviously live what you teach. So I guess just in your definition to start with, like what is confidence? Sure. Confidence to me is really stepping into who you truly are 
and not caring what anyone else thinks about that. Because that can apply to business, that can apply to your personal life, that can apply to the clothes that you wear, how you parent your children. You know, it's really about just owning who you are regardless of the feedback that you get. And for a long time for me, when I would get feedback, don't wear your hair that way, don't wear a dress, wear pants, don't do this, I would comply. I believe that, you know, oh, okay, if I want to get promoted, I want to be the best girlfriend, I should follow this direction I'm getting, you know, whatever it may be. And it's really been in the past few years, I've realized, no, the only voice that really matters in my life is my own. And when I tune into it, I amplify it. When I take action on it, I really amplify it. And when that happens, great things start appearing in front of me. And it's not by chance, it's by design. And everyone has that same potential within them. So, I mean, my next question was, you know, is it something that you're born with or something that can be learned? And I think you're saying it can absolutely be learned. Yeah, I was not born with it. I used to believe that there was this one lane of people that were poor and did not have much, you know, and were not competent. And I lived in that lane. And then I would see on TV, you know, there were these other people that had these vibrant lives and, you know, could go and do all these different things and were confident and beautiful. And I thought that was great for them. But I thought, you know, that just wasn't me. I wasn't born into that type of a situation. And what I've learned is it doesn't matter how you're born, who you're born to, what you look like, how much money you have, you know, what your special skill set is. At the end of the day, confidence is a choice. And just like going on a diet or going to the gym, it's discipline, it's paying attention, self-awareness, having a plan and strategy implementing accountability, you know, having a goal, clearly defining the goal, putting a timeline on the goal, creating a visual against that goal. You know, these are all different things that I've implemented in my life in the past couple of years, and they've paid major dividends. So there really is like a process and a structure that you, you really have to embody. It's not something you could just say, oh, I want to be more confident and then, you know, kind of have that aha moment and then expect it to unfold. There's a process to it and a commitment to it. Well, listen, I think there's a million different things that could happen, right? Like, so for example, I'm making this up, but Sally's going along in her life in a job she doesn't like. And her dad comes home and says, Hey, we just got an opening at an art gallery. Would you rather try that? And she steps into it and finds out that's her passion. That's her superpower. And then while she's there, she happens to meet the most amazing supportive man. She marries him and she's happy and feeling better about herself than ever. Things like that do happen. There is coincidence that can happen that yeah. can be fantastic. However, you know, in my life that didn't happen. So if that's not happening for you, if you're just not kind of falling into your passion, your superpower and the life you're dreaming about, then why not take action and create it? Yeah, I love that. I really do. So I think that's kind of what you did from, you know, kind of building on your entrepreneurship because you also, as you mentioned before, became an author and a speaker. So, I mean, how did you decide to write and speak publicly? So I was fired after uh, 14 years at the same company. I was constantly promoted. I reached the C-suite. I was a chief revenue officer. And the CEO I worked for for more than a decade became ill. He elevated his daughter to replace him. And she fired me immediately. And 
in that moment, I, the only thing I could think to do, cause I was devastated was to reach out on social media and tell the world I had just been fired and that I was really grieving and I didn't know what to do because I had signed in order to get to the C-suite, you usually have to sign some type of a non-compete non-solicitation. So I was not able to go back to the industry I had worked in for two decades for a minimum of 12 months so that to wow. protect the company from competing against me. And so I knew for 12 months, I had no idea where my income was going to come from. I knew I couldn't go back to the industry that I knew so well and that I had a, a major reputation and network in. And so I had to think, what can I do to drive revenue, to pay my bills and to create income? And if I'm going to reboot right now, at least for a year, because I knew I couldn't go back to media for a year what is something that I'd want to try? And when I asked for help on social media, Froggy from the Elvis Duran show tweeted at me, Heather, I want to help you. And I tweeted back at him, get me on the Elvis Duran show. And he did. And that moment really changed my life because halfway through the interview, Elvis said to me, well, Heather, obviously you're writing a book. And I said, well, obviously I am, but I really wasn't. <laughs> you know, I had grown up that I was the social one. My sister was the smart one. She was the one everyone said was going to be an author one day. I was the social one. I was the one good at sales. I was the one that was supposed to stay in that lane. And I got on that plane. I left New York City and I Googled, how do you write a book? And it just said, you have to simply sit down and write every day. It's just making a commitment. And so I got home and I made that commitment for five hours a day. I would write. I didn't know how to write and I didn't know what I would write about. But once I put myself in that chair in front of my computer every day. Within a week, I started writing so rapidly. I was done with my book in three months. I hired an editor and he worked with me. And within another month, we had the book finished. And then it was just a matter of figuring out how to self-publish from there. Gosh, that's amazing. And your book is called The Confidence Creator. And I mentioned it in the bio, but you know, it shot to number one on Amazon's business biographies and business motivation in the first week. It did. And again, that's not by chance. That's, you know, via a lot of research and understanding their strategies and techniques behind any of these lists that you see. Mm -hmm. So it's figuring out, you know, what are the categories that make sense for you to go after? How could I really spike sales in that first week? You know, and I, there was a tremendous amount of different things I did. Changing your profile and all your social media will send out an alert to people that, you know, on LinkedIn that you've changed your job. And I luckily had thousands of connections on LinkedIn from business. Mm -hmm. So all of those people I offered a deal to, I dropped the price on the book for the only the first seven days and people were intrigued. They want, you know, so I really put the media background and advertising background that I have from business to work for me instead. And it was an interesting time. Instead of creating wealth and value for others, I was finally doing it for myself. And I was really leveraging the knowledge and expertise that I had to build my business and build in me, which was really rewarding. That was in and of itself was confidence building. And then, you know, enjoying the, that success of hitting the bestseller, trumping Trump for number one on business biography. Those moments allowed me to leverage more media and press, you know, so it's like taking from each time you take that next step. Okay. Now, how can I reboot with this new value prop that I have? Where can I bridge the gap? Where, what can I leverage to move forward to get to that next step? And you know, along the way, I was tapping different people in my network from media and one person got me on the Lady Gang show, which is a top podcast in the US. 
they happen to be with Podcast One. So when that show, that episode went top 20 on Apple Podcasts, I took a screenshot of that and I sent that to the CEO. And I said, I'd love to come in in person and thank you for this opportunity you gave me to take this episode to number 20. So of course he took the meeting, but while I'm in the meeting, I'm pitching him on partnering with me and creating my own show. But again, none of these things happen by chance. They happen, you know, by being very clear on how can I take this one opportunity and leverage it into more. And a willingness to ask for help and a willingness to put yourself out there and take the risks. Well, if you don't take the risk, you know, the biggest risk ever taken in life is the one you don't take. Yeah. And, and that really is a truth. Anytime that I'm going to go hole up in my hotel room and not go to a meeting, nothing will happen. So I've had, I had a failed beauty product line that I worked on a year and a half ago. I worked on it for eight months and it fell apart. Didn't work. I partnered with Perry Ellis international as their brand ambassador. And we were taking the line to HSN that fell apart after almost a year of work. You know, there's been a number of partnerships and product elements that I have come to market with that never actually saw the light of day and mm. people don't see that. But, you know, for all this, the moments of success there are, there's just as many that have failed as well. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I think sometimes we don't see the failures like you said. And so it can feel intimidating to kind of just take those risks and put yourself out there the way that you do. Well, I mean, I can just tell you this. If you don't take the risk, you will never reach massive success. It's just not going to fall in your lap. And you're going to have to go through some different iterations of what success looks like. When I decided to sell my jewelry after my divorce, the most important thing to me was finding a company that I could trust and one that would also advocate for me. I found this and so much more at Worthy. Their expert staff immediately put me at ease and helped me to get the best price possible for my jewelry. Your engagement ring can be a symbol of your freedom, your journey, and the choices you have made to live your life on your terms and create the future you desire. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. It was funny. I was in LA last week and I was doing another person's show. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is a few months ago, a very large brand came to me and said, we want to partner with you. We were in negotiations for two months. They were creating a video product that was going to be blast out to their 3 million followers. And I was one of five brand um, ambassadors they wanted to partner with. In the end, it, it turned out they were not going to pay they were going to pay for all the production, all the video production. I would have it, but they weren't actually going to pay me to do it. So I declined in the end. And I was really upset because we had, you know, conference calls every day for two weeks trying to build this out back and forth with lawyers on the contracts. And then it turned out they didn't want to pay me. Well, fast forward to last week. And I, I was really upset about this for a while. I thought, you know, wow, I blew it. I wonder if I shouldn't have walked away from that. I'm going to miss out on potentially selling 3 million books, which would have been huge. Mm. Anyhow, so you have to trust your gut. Well, I'm I'm doing this woman's podcast in LA last week. And after the show was wraps, we were just chatting and she said, oh gosh, you know, I just had this epic fail. And I said, what was it? And she said, I partnered with this brand. And she told me the brand, it was the brand that I was on the list to, she did the deal that I declined. Right. And, and she said, 
it was an epic fail. I spent months working with them on devising these videos, months working with them on creating the creative, months working with them on this and that. Ever since I had walked away, she, you know, she had picked up and run with it and she never sold one book from it. They didn't promote her book. Anyways, it ended up being a terrible deal for her. And it was so interesting to me that we don't always see the back end of that. Even me, I had, I didn't know I was still bummed out that I had walked from that deal. But what we don't know is sometimes walking from the deals, having those fails is the answer. That's the answer we needed. I'm so grateful now that I found out I walked from that deal because had I not, I would have been in that same situation that woman was, which I would have given up another opportunity because I would have immersed myself in that one that was destined to fail. Yeah. And so, yeah, just really just trusting in yourself and your gut. That's it. That's exactly it. You've got to, even though it's scary sometimes, and believe me, I'm scared all the time. I just went to market with a new pitch with a new brand partner. And she was just messaging me before we started talking. And I don't know what's going to come out of that. You know, you just never know. I put a lot of money, a lot of time into this and we'll see it could work or it might not. But I just know if I'm not constantly reevaluating where I am, where I want to put my time, you know, what I'm prioritizing and how I'm innovating. If I'm not doing that, I'm not moving forward and growing and the business isn't going to grow either. So one of the other ways that you've grown is your upcoming TEDx talk, which I can't wait to listen to. You did a TEDx talk on the Me Too movement, misstep or mistake. Um, so I would love to spend, you know, the last minutes of our time just kind of talking about, first of all, like how you end up, you know, doing a TEDx talk and what that experience was like for you and, and the topic itself, because it's such an important topic. Sure. So for, you know, I knew one of the things when I, I sketched out what my business was going to look like, you know, and I, there's brand partnerships, there's product lines, there's books, there's podcasts, there's press, you know, there's potential shows. There's all these different things underneath the umbrella of what my brand stands for. But one of the things that was one that was kind of a benchmark moment that I wanted to obtain that was on my list of priorities was doing a TEDx talk because I felt like that would give me more credibility, more validity, and more exposure from my speaking business, which has become very important to me. And so any way that I can elevate, you know, once you elevate yourself in the buyer's eyes as an expert, as, you know, more valuable, you, you can charge a higher price. There's more demand for your, for your services. So to me, it was really important. I had applied for 100 TED Talks. I took a Google alert out on TEDx Speakers Wanted more than a year ago, and I was declined for every opportunity until one day I was speaking at an event in Miami, and just by chance, a woman from TEDx was there. And she came up to me after and she said, you need to give a TEDx talk. And I said, lady, I, I've applied to 100 and I'm told no all the time. And what she told me, she taught me that I was applying the wrong way. I was making my application all about me as a speaker, sending my speaker reel, sending my speaker recommendations, and basically trying to sell them on the idea that I'm a great speaker. What she taught me is that the way to get a TEDx talk is to research the TEDx venue, find out what their theme is, mm. and then create an idea worth spreading that you can thread into their theme. So the theme for the one that I ended up landing was called rethinking relationships. So my challenge was to come up with an idea worth spreading that someone hasn't heard yet 
about a relationship that we can rethink. So I chose to take a look at the Me Too movement and look at women versus women in the workplace instead of men versus women in the workplace. So rethinking the relationship of women at the workplace. And that's when I finally got the green light. So awesome. And so I love your take on this topic because, you know, we do talk about the Me Too movement, male, female, masculine, feminine. But, you know, this has long been a topic of conversation, I think, for a lot of people, which is, you know, the toxicity in relationships with women and other women. So I just I love the take that you've taken on this. Yeah, sadly for me, you know, I just go back to my own experience. I had been sexually harassed at work a number of times. However, it was never shocking to me. And and again, I say that sadly, but it, it you know, it sort of was par for the course in the industry that I was in. And it, it was somewhat commonplace. And I'm so glad the Me Too movement has called it out and done so much to put an end to that. However, for me, the the biggest issue I had at work never came from another man. It came from woman on woman bullying in the workplace. And, you know, that was shocking to me. I, I didn't know that would happen. It was unexpected. It was underhanded. It was really cutthroat mm. and left me feeling somewhat shocked and, and really disappointed. It was very, I guess the fact that it was so unexpected, so passive aggressive yeah. and no one talks about it. It's just never discussed. And then when it is discussed, it's belittled as, oh, that's why you can't have two women on a team or, you know, people just want to sweep it under the rug. And, and I was grateful to have the opportunity to not only bring the idea to light, you know, through TEDx, can we expand this conversation, not just man versus woman, but to look at the piece of woman versus woman. And if we can start shining a light on it, maybe we can start ending it. Mm. Yep. I love that. Start talking about it and bringing conversation and attention to it. I can't wait to hear it. So I'm looking forward to it coming out. You and me both. I still haven't seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Soon, soon. (laughs) So I, we're at the end of our time, but, you know, I just kind of see you as this person who is always growing, kind of always has something on the horizon. So what's up next for you? What's on your horizon? Oh my gosh. I've been working with Kim Gravel from QBC on a clothing line Uh, behind the scenes for the past couple of months. I put a lot of time and effort into this. So I just heard from her. We finally got the deck to a position where she felt it looks good and she's going to lean in and and give it a pitch and and we'll see. Who knows? I've had so many experiences where I felt like something was going to work out amazing and it didn't. Mm -hmm. And so many times where I had no expectations and things worked out phenomenally. And then, you know, with the TEDx coming out, there's no way to know. I'm really working a lot on press behind it to make sure that idea we're spreading is heard and that there is an opportunity f- to take that talk viral. That's my number one goal. Well, I hope that we can help support you in that goal as well. Thank you. Yeah. So last question, we'll leave our audience with this. What is your best piece of advice or wisdom that you can share with our listeners today? I'll tell you, well, number one, confidence is created. It's not given. And, you know, in any moment you're chipping away at your confidence or you're creating it, that choice is yours and becoming aware of that 
is really empowering. But the other, you know, feedback that I like to share with people is one that I got from a mentor in business, which is there will always be another deal, another guy or another opportunity. And, you know, desperate is so unattractive and and that's for personal life. That's for business. That's just life in general, but never, you know, clutching too much to one thing, one person, one deal, because when you take a step back and open your mind up beyond that, that's when you start seeing the opportunities all around you. Amazing. Thank you so much. How can our listeners follow up with you after today? So you can come to my website, heathermonahan.com. I have a free accountability partner program, a free ebook download there. My book, Confidence Creator, is on Amazon and on Audible, and I narrate it, which I'm really proud of. And I'm on all social media, at Heather Monahan, and you can catch my podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan. Awesome. Thank you so much for this time and your passion, your heart, just who you are. It's really inspiring. Oh, thanks so much for having me and for your support. I appreciate it immensely. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your weekly feed. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. This podcast is for you, so email us at podcastworthy.com with any questions or ideas that you may have. We look forward to hearing from you.